everybody and welcome to the podcast All Things Food. I am your host, Nikki Hursthouse. I am a registered dietitian, foodie, yoga teacher and lover of food stories. I'm really excited to bring you this week's episode, so let's get started. Conrad Goodhue is a performance dietitian based in Christchurch. Conrad himself has played sports since he was four years old, everything from rugby and cricket to squash and golf. Conrad can understand the pressures that sportsmen and women go through, both physiological and psychological. Conrad works with the Crusaders, Weekend Warriors and the general public that are trying to be the best versions of themselves. His drive is to start changing the way the health and fitness industry sees clients as more than just a quick fix for marketing and driving sustainable change to inspire generations to follow. Conrad has a huge passion for men's health and supporting men to open up and have conversations about the good, the bad and everything in between. This week is International Men's Health Week and it is a pleasure to welcome Conrad to the podcast to share his knowledge and thoughts about this very important topic. Welcome to the podcast, Conrad. No, thank you. I'm excited for this one. I've got a huge passion for men's health and the more messages we can get out there that is, I guess, beyond just men's mental health uh, makes a massive difference. So yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries. So I'd love if you could take me back to where your story begins and what the path is that you took to get you to where you are today. Great. It all started for me of well, since the age of four, I've played rugby as a typical New Zealand male, I think, would have. Uh, sort of brought up on a big lifestyle block, you could say, and, and actually Whangarei. So out just outside of Whangarei and small town boy with, I guess, big town dreams. And so since the age of seven, I always wanted to be a vet, uh, which actually took me down to university uh, in Palmerston North and I went to go study veterinary. Uh, throughout that time, I played multiple sports, obviously rugby, played golf at a sort of for Northland. I played squash for Whangarei, all age group, as well as uh, rugby for Whangarei as well. So active sports person and couldn't keep still, basically, throughout <laughs> my whole life. And that's sort of, as a, as a young person, it was actually interesting that I wanted to do veterinary and even mum said it was really strange, but always had a passion for animals. So anyway, went to, to Massey and continued rugby down there. Uh, but the thing is, I was part of an academy at high school, so I didn't quite get into the course due to credits and stuff not not going through. Short, Long story short, did a bridging course, changed my pathway in life to more sport and I focus on sport business sport science didn't know where that was going to get me career-wise but I thought we'll just stick in it anyway until I got a couple of years into rugby and it was like my make or break year so I was getting into the gym using all these supplements and one of the big props that I was playing with said mate you've got to do this paleo diet it's the next big thing and it's gonna get you to where you want to get to I'm a scrawny little white boy trying to put on weight so I kind of picture that a little bit as a halfback as well. So at the end of the day, paleo diet didn't work for me and I thought surely there's a better way of doing this and that's what took me down to Otago to study uh, sport and exercise nutrition and then go on to dietetics. So I was fortunate enough to be or meet Kirsty Fairburn 
before I started there who was at the time Highlanders dietitian and she's gone through high performance sport and she's a fantastic role model and was a big uh, person who was sort of in my path of where I want to go or where I am now and then that was also Tracy Perry's my supervisor sent me on that path as well so fantastic best thing I've done didn't want to do five years at university <laughs> ended up doing eight <laughs> so yeah. you know it's all part of that process and so where I got to now I was really fortunate I did a whole lot of internships throughout the study to make sure that I was for my passion for sport which led me into the role straight out of university with the Crusaders and I've been part of that program ever since and I've done a private practice on the side as well throughout that time and growing that space and come last year uh, with with lockdown I obviously things changed in the professional sports space and I went full-time private practice and now I'm fortunate enough to be back and uh, contracting to them again so I've sort of got a balance between a lot of different avenues and there's a whole lot of stuff that goes in in between those little slots I've got a little men's health group slash side project that is sort of getting men to become more vulnerable and talk about things that's a whole another side project that is separate to this conversation but I guess I've got a huge (laughs) passion for men's health uh, and sport and especially for men in sport too absolutely and your role at the moment is not just with the crusaders and the elite rugby players but you also work with you know our weekend warriors and everyone in between absolutely so i'm only with the rugby so i work across the academy and crusaders currently and yeah so with those rugby guys so i've got a real passion for development over a long period of time so that's where the academy is fantastic um high performance is is awesome um but my yeah like i said passion comes from the youth and developing players from there because i think nutrition starts a lot younger than just once they can make professional Mm. Uh, but in terms of outside of that space yeah absolutely i've got uh crossfit i've got one of new zealand's i do actually have new zealand's fittest woman technically so she's she's fantastic i've got a couple of other crossfitters i've got a lot of endurance athletes so i have a lot of coast to coasters that come through um as well as everybody else in between that and then you've got general pop as well that's just general weight loss people that want to exercise people that exercise too much and everything in between so i'm kind of a yes professional sport is is a passion but you know at the end of the day i work with a huge range of different people that Essentially, bottom line, you have to do some sort of exercise to see me. That's what I like to like to say. Yeah, you've got to be moving your body. Yeah, exactly, in some way or form. Yeah, yeah. and what does day to day work look like for you when you're working in anything from high performance sport to our everyday individual? <laughs> it's variable, extremely variable. Uh, one week I could be talking lots, of having meetings with supplement companies, like discussing, you know things that may be coming up in the future and I help them out uh, but also you know it's looking at the individual in front of me so like I said I'm a day with, with the Crusaders and sort of that there and hopefully we'll grow that back to what I had before uh, but at outside of that it could be you know I could have half day clients and then could be in, in meetings I could be you know like I said talking to supplement companies or discussing other things projects with people so Mm. unfortunately I don't have an easy answer to that one and what what does a day look like for me but 
I guess it just comes week by week and that's been for someone that loves structure has been a huge change for me in terms of my own mental and and physical well-being is, is I've just had to adapt and, and mould to make this my lifestyle and the way it kind of is rather than trying to switch that up if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, so creating your own routine rather than the norm nine to five routine. Absolutely, and I think yeah. even then because it changes so much week to week, it's kind of, well, what can I control and then how do you change that? And that's a big thing that I try to teach my clients because that's a massive part of good health is actually planning and organization <laughs> is mm. the fundamental to anything. That, yeah. That's what I really preach anyway. Yeah, yeah. And you're one of very few male dietitians. We were talking that we actually don't know how many <laughs> male dietitians there are in New Zealand, but just in general in New Zealand and in Australia, internationally, um, men are hugely outnumbered in the profession. Mm-hmm. And from your experience going through that training but also working now as a dietitian, can you think or have you experienced anything that sort of explains why men are still so outnumbered? I guess there's a lack of interest from a young age with nutrition. We very, I think women are kind of fortunate that they have periods really because they have to be in tune with their body and learn about that stuff from a very young age. As males, we don't. So we don't actually develop self-awareness until things start to become an issue and that can be a lot later in life. And I was fortunate that I was interested in food, which got me kind of into food, but you can already see I was three years into university before I even considered food as a career. Yeah. Where I think nowadays it's getting with I think the help of social media that people are more interested in food so I think in the future there will definitely be more men in the industry which I think is fantastic but yeah that I think that's the big thing is that lack of self-awareness and what good health looks like but also probably been spoon-fed for a long time because it's not the men's role and I've got sort of speech marks happening here (laughs) (laughs) of yeah the, the man doesn't cook or hasn't cooked in the past. And, you know, I, I know that's kind of putting all men into one box, but at the end of the day, it's kind of what I see on a day-to-day basis. Hence why I was talking before about my passion within the academy space about how like cooking is a massive component of actually teaching these guys how to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that the biggest gaps are um, or why men, I guess, aren't, not only, in, I guess, for the roles that we're in, but in a number of different roles in terms of the health sector anyway. Mm. It's interesting because you even think back to high school when you do cooking and stuff, a lot of it's baking. And, um, you know, sometimes that may not really spark an interest with men in high, in high school or even younger when you're doing those classes, when you're made to do them. And it sort of doesn't seem like something that's going to then translate into any skills later in life. But the cooking side is actually so important to be able to fuel themselves for sport, to fuel themselves day to day. Yeah, I can't emphasize the importance of cooking. And for anybody that tells me I've got cooking under control, I don't need to learn anymore, I can call BS on that pretty quickly because there is always room to grow. Uh, An example, like I've um, my now fiance at the moment, I never liked Asian food, never liked spice. But now she's vegetarian, so it's kind of it skewed me to actually look 
into the space more and develop my mm. skills, which now has opened a, a whole realm of better food choices that I never would have even thought of before. And that was because I had kind of my hand forced. And I was actually really fortunate that my mother forced me to cook. And as a young young man, I was – well, we – because we are out on the farm, we didn't have access to dairy down the road or even definitely not Uber Eats when I was a, I was a young man. Uh, <laughs> so if we didn't know how to cook, because sometimes I was, I was home alone, I didn't eat. It was simple as that. So – you know, the amount of times that I can recall that I burnt the potatoes um, blows my mind, you know, boil them dry. Yeah. But that was a really important part of, of my understanding and why I'm so th- thankful that I actually got that opportunity as a, as a young man where a lot of men, even females nowadays that I see, especially mm-hmm. with the young teen athletes, because they're so busy with sport, they don't have time to cook. Again, we've got to change that, that thought yeah. process around making sure mm-hmm. that we actually learn these basic skills yeah. for, for me for not just for you know being able to cook and look after ourselves for overall health and we see that more and more those that are more interested in their food and do better cooking are going to be have better better health long term mm. sure. i'm absolutely 100 percent the biggest advocate for cooking <laughs> and i think it's so important and i just think it's so important that people also understand that you're not going to be good at it when you first start like you've got to fail and you've got to learn from failure in cooking which also translates to a really good life lesson as well that you learn from failure yeah, and that's one thing I'll never forget is the amount of times I've burnt the potatoes and I don't think I've burnt another potato since I've left home, touch wood. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's good re- luck. Yeah, it's a really important life lesson. I think that's where it comes down to mistakes and you can look at all the all the motivational quotes in the world. They all come from learning from what you're not doing right. And unfortunately, once you develop diabetes and heart disease and all those negative health things that we can prevent that's almost too late you know to, to yeah. make a change and it shouldn't get to that point too for you to make a mistake to then learn from it so mm. why why not make safe mm. mistakes yeah absolutely different way to frame and it. when you're working with individuals day to day and we're just going to sort of hone in on men's health a little bit here but are there some differences that you notice when working with men and on their nutrition and their health compared to women I think it's interesting for the people, because I'm in private practice, people are already interested in nutrition before they come and see me anyway. Like if you look mm. at the, the motivation model, they're definitely in the, the action stage of that. So yeah. I don't, in terms of my private practice, in terms of one-on-one, I don't see too much discrepancies. It probably comes mm. back to what they don't understand and, again, lack self-awareness Yeah, before they – and that once they get that sorted, things kind yeah. of make make sense for themselves. Yeah. But outside of that and all the work that I do, just chatting to people, community, even my family in terms of the way they, they care, it, again, it, it's that lack of actually care for nutrition and how important it is for our body until something negative happens for us to mm. then make a change. Yeah. And I think there's the biggest things that I see, and that's what we've literally just talked about is is – the, the cooking ability, which leads into the interest in food. Mm. It's just you lack interest in and and the ability to look after yourself well. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing and taking ownership, and that's probably a massive one. And a lot of guys that I do 
talk to and especially when the PTs that I work alongside quite closely biggest thing that why men don't take ownership in their own space in terms of food is because my wife cooks so (laughs) (laughs) that's my answer it doesn't matter that's that's on you not on them and she's probably cooking you good food but why don't you learn a get interested in it so then you can make better decisions and I think it's so sad that you can use that as an excuse to then go on and and be better yeah yeah and I guess you know it's it's about taking that ownership so that you have the knowledge and confidence to make the right decisions outside of home when the wife's not cooking absolutely (laughs) yeah and uh, it's also I think with men too is they massively under eat and I think that's a big one that I see because, like, I don't like to to sexualize this, if that makes sense. But you know, men are generally in in the trades, or they're doing more of the active jobs. And I think it's just on this. I think it's great that women are doing more, and I encourage that. Um, but I think it's just to understand that when you do more physical work and your non-exercise activity thermogenesis increased, obviously you're going to be hungrier, and that's why these these men are coming home and the amount of traders that I know that don't even eat during the day because they're so busy, this is men and women, mm. it just blows my mind. And then they're wondering why they're eating pies on the way home and they're smashing McDonald's and doing all that stuff because they are so hungry and they don't actually understand the output and what their body needs because society tells us that we eat too much and we shouldn't overeat because we're going to get fat and, and this. And it's actually like, well, let's look at, what the difference was in back in let's even go back to like the eighties or the seventies about how our grandparents or grandparents lived. It was very physical lives and we've become more sedentary. You know, that's in the research, mm. it's a given. I think that's the biggest thing there and kind of with social media now, men are scared to to eat and do that sort of thing as well because they're worried about with these negative health markers. So all of a sudden we've got people that don't care about food are getting unhealthy but then we've kind of got people going the opposite direction as well and that's really scary that we've kind of Mm. the and this is what i see a lot actually is um food worry essentially i don't like to use anxiety but there's definitely food worry around about what we should and shouldn't eat and Mm. and when the female takes control of a man's food patterns she's obviously just going to feed him what she thinks right because she knows what works for her. She thinks mm. that could work for the male as well. And something that I try to, especially my tradies, I encourage them to have four meals a day. That's just a given because they need that volume of food until they actually understand that. Yeah, it's amazing the change that they they can have, and mm. it's it's no fault to the to the partner or or and in this case, you know, of the the wife who who is doing organizing the food mm. um it's just and it's just that change of mindset a little bit it's probably a massive one that i see an issue with because when you're hungry it ain't the food that you should be eating you're going to go for yeah and there's a big difference between eating a large amount of food that provides you with the right nutrition you need versus eating a large amount of high calorie fast food and takeaways, which is not actually going to give you the nutrition that your body needs yeah, after the, a really hard day. The pie and the V number, <laughs> yeah. the BP on the way. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting in it. And some of it is the dynamic of the sort of modern household. And mm. I mean, that situation happens, you know, even for 
men who are working in an office all day. They might not need as much, but they might be bigger individuals. They might be carrying more muscle mass. Mm -hmm. They might be going to the gym once or twice a day. You know, mm -hmm. There's really different um, routines, and it is difficult if they're a couple's both they're both not taking ownership over the amount that they need. And it's definitely the people that I see the ones that exercise that don't actually understand how much food they require. Mm. You know, I've got some of my big rugby guys are five and a half, 6,000 calories a day um, intake. Like it's huge. Like we're talking yeah. triple what the what is on the back of a pack and in terms of yeah. the energy needs for, for, a, for an average person. This is what, 2,000, sometimes now two, 2,200. Like it's, mm. it's next to nothing. And I know if I eat that, I'm going to fade away pretty quickly. Because I'm not a tall person, I'm only eighty odd kilos. Like, I'm not a big person by any means. But because even me just exercising once a day, and even if I sit on my backside, I still need two and a half thousand calories minimum. Yeah. So yeah. it's just once we teach men, and that's right, that they actually do need more. It's okay to eat more. Um, but you're right in terms of the. You can talk about calories till the cows come home, but it's also the good stuff that comes with the calories. And the analogy that I like to use is look. You put fuel in your car to get you from A to B, but you need to put all the good stuff in terms of service your car and you know the tires and all the rest of it so your car doesn't break down. You can drive a car without oil, but yeah. it's not going to last very long. Same goes yeah. with your body. You can put as much yeah. fuel into it as you want, but unless it's good quality fuel, it comes down to that. And that's where I want to encourage blokes that – and I guess a big thing that I see is – mainly because they are so hungry that I want to go for the for the healthy option, which I've sort of mentioned, but also sometimes the healthy option doesn't give them the calories that they need either. You know, they yeah. go for like a vegetarian meal and I know um, personally that I can't – I have tried to go completely vegetarian just as a, a trial and error. One, I do like, unfortunately, like the taste of meat <laughs> as, <laughs> as a man, but also just the sheer volume that I have to eat to meet that need is substantial and – to do that is actually quite a hard job. So, you know, when we see, as an example, anyone cooking, male or female, cooking for their family and want to go vegetarian, that is take out the meat and everything, nothing else changes. Now, that's going to affect a bigger male a lot more than a smaller female in terms of their hunger cues. And mm -hmm. they're going to get grumpier, they're going to get hungrier a lot quicker than what the female counterpart would. And it's just yeah. like having that understanding I think is really important. Absolutely, and that has a ripple effect, you know, just from not just feeling a bit grumpy and hungry to then their their sleep and their energy levels and their actual ability to exercise and recover. Mm. It has a huge ripple effect if it continues. Yeah, and there's something that we see in professional sport is called REDS, so it's Relative Energy Deficiency in Sport. And I actually see this more commonly in because we're aware of it in the in the elite sports space, it can be sort of managed. But in the everyday space or the weekend warrior, especially a man that is trying to, you know, complete his first coast to coast or whatever it may be, I see it a lot more. And especially, mm. like I said, in those those work or those jobs that are more physical, even if you're on your feet all day, that can increase your output substantially. And yeah. it's just understanding that, I think, is the, the first step into actually changing the way we think about this stuff as well. Mm, yeah. 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 Cool. And so just a little bit about International Men's Health Week. So I guess we should argue that it should be Men's Health Week or Day or Women's Health Week or Day every day of the year. For but sure. 
it's all about raising awareness and starting that conversation, isn't it? And Mm -hmm. it's all about how men born today are on the back foot. So their life expectancy is four years less than a girl born on the same day and they're 20% more likely to die of a heart attack and almost 30% more likely to get diabetes. So these chronic conditions that we know are preventable, but it's also the more shocking side that they're 30% more likely to die of suicide. So that's where that mental health component comes in, Mm -hmm. which is so important to talk about. And I guess it is a year-round focus, and this week is to try and start the conversation and get people talking about it, not just men but their families, their loved ones. But it's not often front of mind for men at all. And you've sort of alluded to it a little bit that, it's not until something starts to go wrong that it maybe becomes front of mind. So what do you think needs to change? <laughs> well, how long you got? <laughs> uh, it's it's a massive issue and I'm well aware. So I lost my uncle to suicide oh, four years ago. Um, pretty, It's hugely devastating and I still haven't quite understood the impact that it actually had on myself and I know my family as well is is massive for us Mm. um and I think it's an important thing that you know it's it's more than just the word suicide it's actually quality of life as well that you know leads someone to that point and of course we can hone in and when we look at health and I think the um, Wharetapu Whaa model in terms of the Māori health, and it's important to recognise that there are four pillars of health, not just physical, um, mm. but it's the emotional, it's the it's the spiritual, what you believe in, but also it's like your family and your environment is, is so vital in terms of this whole thing. Yeah. And it when the, the biggest thing, and I start off with, so um, my fiance, she does something on Wednesday night with her friends. It's called Wednesday Wines, you know, and I'm sure there is probably mm-hmm. most females have something along those lines available for them to gain access to. Yeah. What do we do? We go out to the pub and get absolutely hammered. That's, that's the way men deal with this stuff. They don't talk about it beforehand um, until you get, um, a few bevies in and you get a little bit loose around the lips and that's when you start having those conversations and then as a man next day you wake up and go oh I said something stupid last night there was just the alcohol talking and mm-hmm. that's sort of the vicious cycle that we see within the sort of society today and I think we are getting much better at raising awareness um, there's also on the flip side of this is how much awareness can we raise to become to the point that we actually raise too much awareness and actually mm. start telling ourselves, oh, anxiety rates are through the roof and depression is through the roof, which I'm not discounting at all. But also if you tell someone enough they've got a problem too, they might believe it. And this is actually a discussion yeah. I was having with yeah. Sykes around this. And I, I'm not discounting the issues that we have at all, but I think it's important to recognize that we're worried about the end point here and focusing on reducing that. But what about actually just making men better? What about changing yeah. the conversation for, for men? Let's like starts off with like good health. And we know that look at that car model again, you know, if a car's running really well, it's going to be happy. So yeah. at about eating really well and doing some sort of physical exercise, not overdoing it, but doing some good nutrition so that your body's functioning properly. You feel better. If you go right down to the gut microbiome, if you your gut, gut's happy, good fiber, good nutrients, mm. your mind's going to be happy. Okay, that's the first point. It's also like looking at a men's 
environment, so their work life, their family life, what pressures have they got? Are they dealing with that? Can they communicate with their partner? And it's the biggest thing that when I talk to my male clients is actually getting their partner involved and actually having these discussions. And that's the biggest thing. In terms of the physical side of actually looking after a man is hugely simple. It's mm. the emotional side for them to make a change. It's the really difficult part. And I think that's a where the sort of the, the problem lies is with this men's group that I've started up and one of the guys said, look, we don't want to be the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. By no means, that's well outside our scope, okay? We don't even want to be the ambulance at the top of the cliff. What about the ambulance in the car park who's just having the chat with his mate day to day and actually gives the man an opportunity to, to vent and, and do that sort of stuff because it's becoming easier. We're talking about, you know, hey, bro, talk to me if you need. Yeah. To be able to do that is so difficult. Look, yeah. and I've been working on myself with my own struggles for the last, what, two years. Um, and I still struggle to speak about that stuff even with my partner when I actually feel like that. So mm. it's because it's ingrained in us for so long and unfortunately it's a generational thing. We've been dealt a really poor hand. Uh, we talk about, oh, we need to reduce suicides. Yep, I think it's when you really need to focus on what the next generation is hearing and what are they learning as part of all yeah. this as well. And uh, like I don't have an answer for it, um, but – I think it's great we're having the discussion, but let's start to create action in terms of changing the scope and the way men communicate. And it's an interesting thing when I'm in the rugby environment, how easy it is for the young guys to just talk about the stuff compared to even the guys that are mm. five years older than them. It blows my mind how open the the guys that are, that are within three years out of high school it is the most incredible thing to witness and it's one of the most satisfying things that I can see because I can see there will be change. It's just one of those things that when you do lose someone close to you or multiple people close to you, it's scary and it's, yeah. it's such a sad thing. And, yes, we need to stop or help that, but it's also future-proofing it to for, for men to, to prevent, you know, or be better in the space as well. And that's mm-hmm. where it comes from, I think, and and enabling men to have those discussions and dads to tell their sons that they love them and you know all that sort of stuff. I think it's an area that needs to be to be worked on and passed down because that's where it yeah. starts. Yeah, it's really interesting that age difference, just from straight out of high school to a little bit older, that they're just so much more open to talking about these things. Mm-hmm. So there is a little bit of a generational change happening, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, it's a thing I'd love to see. It's hard to put numbers on all that stuff, isn't it? But from just purely like experience, um, from what I've seen, I think, yeah, I definitely think our younger generation are better at seeing it, but also you should see the pressures that are now on them to mm. to be to be better and be on social media and live up to all these standards. Um, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> Again, that's a can of worms yeah. that we don't really want to open. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Social media, that old chestnut, which wasn't around. Thank goodness we didn't have it in high school and stuff. But yeah. then, even for the older generations, but now that's a whole added layer of complexity for the younger generations. And maybe there's positive things that it helps open up the conversation. Mm. But in other times, it can sort of heighten some of those behaviors that might result in sort of spiraling whether it become with obsessive food thoughts and body dysmorphia disordered mm. eating body dysmorphia yeah. that side of things or to do with um ha- 
you know, other aspects of it being neg- negative on the mental health from comparison as well. Mm. Yeah, like it's just, it's so hard. When we're working, and this with social media, I actually had a client of mine, um, she was a female, um, seven hours she was spending on her phone a day. Seven hours, that's almost a working day for crying out loud. <laughs> like, how, do you, how does she have time to do that? <laughs> uni- university student. Um, but, you know, like you – you're trying to do all these things about being better health and all the rest of it. Just, mm. it's just unfortunately that that is what we've got coming up. And mm. yes, it's getting better in terms of the ability to talk about it. But look at the expectation that is on yeah. there. Like when you sit there and like even me using social media for work, like I can't stand it. I really, if I had a choice, I wouldn't use it. But I know how important it is in terms of my marketing and yeah. developing my brand because. Nowadays, it's not, hey, you should see this person because he's really good. It's you should follow this person because he might give you some advice. Mm. And that's where I guess the generation that that I'm 28, so the generation that I'm in is like social media is still fairly new for us. Um, And it's constantly evolving rapidly. And for us to work full time as well as keep on top of this stuff, it's just, you know, no wonder we're we're getting so much pressure um, at our age and why it's so so difficult. And I'd I'd hate to see even those that are – you know, 10 years older than me, mm. how, how hard it would be trying to mm. navigate the space. Mm, absolutely. And I want to ask, because you mentioned it at the start and you said it wasn't really part of this conversation, but I want to ask about the men's health group that's mm-hmm. focusing on men's health on the side. Yeah. Uh, so I, this was back, was it two years ago now? And I'm really, like I always talk about my fiance and she's changed a lot of things for me, which is able to talk and she's actually done a psych undergrad and she talks about the stuff all the time so it's definitely started with her um, getting me to start thinking about just my own mental health and what burnout was and all the rest of it so at the end of 2019 I was pretty much I guess everybody's rock bottom is different but I was pretty close to to getting there and um, not, not, not to the point that I was suicidal or anything like that um, thank goodness, but I was definitely not functioning the way that I normally would. Now I'm someone that could work 60 hours comfortably and, and fly through it. So that's where it sort of stimulated for me. And I actually, cause this is when I started talking about just mental health on social media. And as you do is like, you know, we want to raise awareness and prevent it and do all that. And that's why I've sort of changed my tune a little bit. Uh, but I talked about all that and I went and did a talk at Lululemon locally uh, and I started talking about my story and completely broke down. I'm like, Whoa, this is uh this is bigger than this is bigger than I thought. Um so I actually was fortunate enough I got sent away to Aussie with the group, um, talked off through a whole lot of value stuff and I didn't know what my values were. I literally sat there, we got these cards. I'll never forget this. And I wrote so we had five cards, on three of them I wrote money for something. Like that was what I valued in life and I was like, Yeah, this 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 wasn't right. So I met a guy there who did men's circles in Brisbane, uh, went over, obviously caught up with him and did one of his men's circles. This is such a cool concept. I want to bring it to New Zealand. So um, I've created a group called The Man Cave and we catch up once a month just to basically just chew the fat. Um, we only had seven of us there last night, but, you know, we've got some guys in there that have completely, you know, had find it so useful just sitting down yeah. and you don't have to share anything and I think that's the important thing with the stuff is actually coming to these things and investing in your time that you don't have to go and 
have a problem to be part of these groups is actually what you can learn from what other people's experience mm. are that you can relate. Um, and some of the stuff can be heavy, and I think it's really important that we differentiate, differentiate ourselves from being, you know, a psychologist service because there's no way that I would even touch touch yeah. that at all. We have people that we refer to. Yeah. Um, but what we want to do with this in the future is actually want to want to grow it and develop it into a space. And I actually had a mate that I worked with who came up with a name, and he said, "Oh, you're doing this man cave thing." I'm like, "Oh, what do you mean?" He goes, "Oh, like isn't that what it's called?" I'm like, "Nah." I'm like, "Well, the concept, you know, <laughs> is for men to just is space that men casually chat like yeah. they would in, the, in their man cave when they watch rugby or play pool or have a couple of yeah. quiets is." trying to recreate a similar space to that at a deeper level so when they go away and they can actually talk about this with their partners with their sons with their friends that they could actually have the ability to do so um, and Mm. be a really a big role model in the space and giving them the tools to go away and do that so um, it's been pretty quiet since unfortunately we did like a bit of a, a block with 20 guys to start off with which was four weeks initially which was awesome like like four afternoons over four weeks which is amazing and i I do want to do that again um but then lockdown hit and we tried to do it virtually fortunately guys don't like catching up over facetime and Mm. i'm sure not many people do anymore so um, unfortunately we lost traction and momentum there so we need to rebuild that and we've got some ideas coming up in the future about how we're going to look at um developing that space in terms of actually creating events that are like fundraisers but they're not fundraisers it's more of a look you can donate to 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 this or you can buy a ticket but it's really just a connection opportunity and and learn some stuff and grow and and i think there's a lot of this stuff happening now um, which is amazing but also important that you know who who is running these things and what groups and people we're doing it um are, are doing it sort of from from a place that is, is better because um, I've been really cautious in terms of the advice that I give um, and I know that I'm a dietitian by trade and we work in the counsellor space a lot um, mm. but by no means am I a, a psychologist so I understand my scope. Yeah. I guess there's a lot of people out there that would be doing these things with right intentions but could be potentially harmful as well. Just making sure that you're not doing um, more harm by not being the qualified professional to be dealing with that stuff. Absolutely. And some of the stuff that we talk about in these sessions can really open up for guys and can basically like ripping the Band-Aid off a, off a wound and letting mm. letting the scab fester, if that makes mm. sense. And, get, and that's what a lot of these guys is like opening up some old wounds. Yeah. Um, so it's really important that we do check in with them and after these sessions just to, to go, hey, or especially the ones that have been opened up about something and, and wasn't sure. Mm. So, um, But essentially we're trying to normalize the conversation and we're slowly getting lighter in the conversations as we go on because we've got yeah. more guys coming that have been there for a long time and had their say and want to help and support others. And so it's becoming more of a positive thing. That actually, yes, we sit here and we go, hey, bro, talk to me when things are bad, but what about talking to them when the things are good? Like yeah. tell them about your success. And this is actually something that um, my partner always talks about. She like, I think it's such the most minute thing, but she's like, tell me about it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I think that's something that females do really well. And guys don't, they don't celebrate success either because they think it's just part of what, who we are and what we should be doing rather mm. than actually seeing it as, as something you've actually succeeded in. And I yeah. guess that's a big thing that I teach 
when I talk to my clients and with guys in particular that I actually make a really big deal about things that are going really well for them as well mm. um, and emphasizing that because um, you focus on the positives, positive things happen. Yeah, and celebrating really cool. the wins. Absolutely. Yeah, mm. no matter how small they are. Yeah. yeah. And we talked a lot about mental health when it comes to men and, and that being a big part of International Men's Week, but it's also the physical side with chronic disease. Mm-hmm. So – I mean, we talked a little bit about how it's not front of mind and they're not always taking ownership in the kitchen or with food choices. But yep. is there anything else that you've sort of seen um, that has sort of been highlighted with regards to physical health? Oh, I guess I think with now the time that men work and with – now the pressures that come from home, men are not only needing to earn an income now, they also need to be home to relieve the wife, especially of young kids. Mm. Um, this is what I see a lot. Um, and that can come with a whole lot of additional sacrifice self-care for themselves. So, you know, like physical activity is, is definitely one that's really important, but it doesn't always have to be that. What about, you know, even just going to like a yoga class themselves or doing some sort of mindfulness practice, whether it be meditation, or mm. breath work, ice baths for crying out loud like there is the problem is we as men it's about giving and i know mothers do it a lot and i'm not discounting that at all because mothers and this is a conversation i have with a lot of my mums the same thing but me uh, mothers are self-aware they know where sort of the limits are when things are starting to not sort of end up right men don't Mm. and i think that's something that we need to teach is actually check in when is your check-in and, and that's where those discussions you know that that women have with the wednesday wines are actually really important because mm-hmm. it is a check-in opportunity where men need to have them as well so yeah. and it goes beyond definitely the, like the, the mental health side it's just general wellness and putting themselves first because again if your cup's not full you ain't gonna help anybody else i think that's yeah. sort of cliche as it sounds but it's so mm. so important um and that goes for you wanting to be a good father because you give 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 um for dads out there in particular or husbands or partners or friends um but it's important that you actually go or put your hand up and go hey mate i do need help so it's this whole thing about enabling men to speak and, and doing that and, and doing the physical stuff that they need but also recognizing that they actually need to um to, to put up their hand when things are hard and actually yeah. accepting that, whether it be like yeah. I haven't gone to the gym in, in, in three weeks, I need to tell someone and, and, you know, keep them accountable. So it's little things like yeah. that can go a really long way that men won't do, but women will. Mm. And it's that awareness that, that it has been three weeks or something or it's an awareness that they're all of a sudden finding that they're more irritable, but they don't realise that themselves until someone tells them. Yeah. And it's like, oh, hold on. It's because yeah. I haven't looked after myself or done anything for myself in that time. Yeah, for sure. And do you think it's also because self-care is not really something that's being talked about for men? It's it's taboo. Yeah. Like what sort of man wants to go and get a little stone massage? As much as it sounds fantastic, oh, it's, that's, what, that's what ladies do. That's what I get for my wife for a birthday. Get a man a massage for his birthday. I'd love it. Like yeah. – I think that's where a massive part of what I see is there's a feminine side that actually men don't tap into enough where um, women are actually able to tap into their masculine side or their masculine energy. So I think Mm. that's something that men need to embrace a little bit more and be okay with um, because that comes down to, you know, all those little things. And it could be that, oh, a man needs to go to, uh, to, to, 
to the gym to lift weights. You know, that's what he does. He gets strong and big. But actually, what about yoga? How good would yeah. yoga be for you in terms of your mobility and your movement and all those wonderful things that we discount because a man needs to be big and strong and brave and bold? Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I mean, that comes a bit from society, but you could also argue sort of men's publications and that sort of the media side also pushes that narrative as well. Mm, I have done for a long time. Again, I think it's changing. Yeah. And thinking about your work and your drive and passion to change this conversation, is there anything that you're focusing on this year to make tracks in that? Of course, in terms of men's space, like obviously that men's health project that I want to keep working on, but that's sort of like a fun side project. But moving forward in terms of nutrition, uh, there's, there's a cookbook idea. They've sort of come up with and want to change. Obviously, cooking is a really important thing for men, but coming up with like really cool vegetarian recipes that are actually going to meet the needs of men that are specific mm-hmm. for men because there's some recipes out there and great recipe books, but they all lack the basic stuff in terms of a balanced meal. And I think that's a real issue that I want to go, cool, here's a cookbook that's going to meet all your requirements. It's manly food in yeah. a vegetarian or you know low-meat way, which – Normally, guys would be like, oh, no, that's not an idea. But that's mm. um, trying to get a guy to eat vegetarian, like I said, is, is a difficult one because men eat meat. That's all they eat. So it's just <laughs> changing that narrative. And that's why I really want to encourage guys not only to cook more, but cook foods and be really empowered to take ownership of their own stuff. So I think it's a big project that I, I've got in the pipeline um, that I want to work on. So, yeah, no one steal my idea, please. <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here first. Yeah. (laughs) And one question I like to ask is if you had one wish you could and that you could change something overnight in the world of food and health, what would it be? Oh that only those with a decent qualification that had no other agenda could actually give any health advice ever. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You're not the only one to have implied that as well. I love how quickly that came to my mind. I I have no issue with criticism and sort of challenge at all. I think it's so important for what we do, but it needs to come from a place that is non-biased and actually has no agenda backed up with that. And unfortunately, social media followers is a massive one to get agenda, and that, that is an issue. So when it comes from actual science and good science, I love it. I think it's yeah. so important. I, like I suffer from dyslexia, so me and reading do not go together. Um, but I know I have to do it. But I think it's important that scientists do continue to obviously do that. And I think it's really important. But the issue is they're up against pseudoscience of people making up stuff because it worked for me and, and all the rest yeah. of it. And, and that's a real concern yeah. uh, moving forward in terms of our industry. Yeah, the the big battle between someone's personal experience and their belief that that then will work for everyone. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and thinking about men's health overall, Mm -hmm. from your work, from your experiences and the point of raising awareness, what would your three key messages be? Um. Three messages for that. Good. I think number one, don't be afraid to eat more. 
I think that's really important and that's what we sort of spoke about is that men do need more. Mm. Uh, number two, cooking is not only for women. I think it is just as important for you guys and as you get older and new foods come out and new things you can try with, you know, take that opportunity to actually learn and do better in there because it will engage you with better food and quality of life. Yeah. And I guess number three in terms of just general health is, you know, we talk about it's okay to talk and to talk like that, but actually communicating and working on communication, whether that be with your partner, with your friends, however it may, it doesn't have to be at a level that you're telling them all your secrets, okay? We're not mm. asking for that. What we're trying to do is just tell them about good stuff that you're doing in the day or tell them about things you maybe have struggled with. You know, you're someone who's being a dick at work. <laughs> like It could be as yeah. simple as that, but it could end up at a conversation that you actually have a chat at a deeper level. Um, there's a lot of guys that I talk with now who have actually got rid of a lot of their old friends purely because they never embraced that and it was just superficial chat all the time so next time one of your good mates says you know how are you going be honest if you're going great tell them it's going awesome and why but also if you are struggling tell them why you're struggling and why and i think that's you know this australia have it way worse than us because every time i go to aussie it's like how you going how you doing yeah it's actually like well it's easy to say good and carry on. When you ask the question of how you're doing, expect a big answer. And if yeah. you're not expecting a big answer, don't ask. We don't want a big answer, don't ask. And I think that's probably really important that we need to take it away from just being I'm well or I'm okay um, all the time to actually speaking honest about it. And when it is good, why is it good? Yeah. Embracing that and, and, and being better. Yeah, mm. it's like if you're going to ask the question, then you've got to hold the space to hear the answer. Absolutely, and I think it's yeah, holding space thing is so important. Mm, it's really oh. good. And if listeners want to know more about you, your work, and to check in on how things are going with the Man Cave Project and things like that, how can they get in touch with you or where can they find you? Uh, okay, so for the Man Cave itself, if you um, Google or, or even probably Instagram is our main platform for that. So man underscore cave underscore NZ. Um, it's got like, it's a black logo with two guys hanging over a fire. That's where the Man Cave stuff's happening and that's on Facebook as well and Instagram. We're going to get our website back up again soon. In terms of me personally, just literally Google Conrad Goodhue. There's not many of us around the world, so... Yeah, Instagram, Facebook, website. Yeah, you'll find me anywhere. And, and yeah, if you've got any questions or anything like that, just please don't be afraid to sing out. Yeah, absolutely. And it would be great to see how things go with the rugby season this year as well. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Conrad. It's been really interesting and I hope that it can help get more of the conversation going in the right way. Mm, absolutely appreciate your time thank you thanks so much Conrad thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode don't forget to subscribe so you can find out when new episodes are released throughout the season if you loved this episode please consider leaving a review and share it with your friends family or anyone who you think might also enjoy tuning in 
Until next week, you can follow the podcast and my work over on Instagram and Facebook at Nourish with Nikki. And to find out more about working with me, visit NikkiHurstHouse.com. See you again next week.